Turn with me this morning in our Gospel according to Numbers to the chapter 27, chapter 27 of the book of Numbers. We spent the first part of this chapter looking at those five sisters that uh, they came requesting, they came petitioning, and the Lord the matter was brought to, uh, to Moses, and he brought it before the Lord, and they were going to be granted an inheritance in the promised land. And then we come to a very solemn time in this chapter, if we look at it incorrectly, but a very glorious time in the scripture too. Moses is spoken to by the Lord in this manner. And the Lord said, verse 12 of Numbers chapter 27, And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mountain, Abram, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. For ye rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin, in the strife of the congregation, to sanctify me at the water before their eyes, that is, the water of Meribah, in Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. Now this is Moses' response to that uh, statement by the Lord. You're going to be taken up into this. Go up in the mountain. I'm going to show you the promised land, but you're going to die there. And this is Moses' request. Now, you know, people, I've, I've been around people, oh, give me another year. Uh, give me another five years. Oh, Lord, extend my life, so forth. Moses' concern was the people of God and a new leader. He says here, and Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd." That is an interesting request that Moses makes upon the time the Lord says, your death is close. Take care of the people of God. You know, as we look at this, we find, and I've entitled my message this morning, Brother Moses, or truly from the cradle to the grave. We watch over Moses. We find that he was a, a blessed, blessed person. He is a hymn writer. You know, God granted him the privilege of writing hymns in a very special way, in the sense they're recorded in the Word of God. Now, I have some favorite hymn writers, and I'm sure you do too, that were blessed by God, and they take the Word of God and put it into, into poetry, and that poetry can be mentioned while I'm shopping, and nobody gives me a problem about it. Now, if you go into a store and start talking to yourself, you're probably going to have people look at you, but if you're there humming an old hymn, probably, oh, he's just old. Anyway, if you look, at with, look with me to the book of Exodus chapter 15 for just a moment, we find that Moses was used by God to record a great hymn in the book of Exodus chapter 15 and beginning with verse 1, after God had taken care of all the enemies from Egypt. They look back over there and you know what? There's not one of them left. 
Nobody is going to be following. There's not going to have to be anybody watching their back as they go out into the wilderness there because all the enemies of Egypt are taken care of at one time and nobody survives what God did for Israel. It tells us there in verse 15 or chapter 15 and verse 1, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and speak saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And what a statement about Christ at the cross. The church from all time has been able to celebrate and rejoice in the work and the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that it mentions that he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world because all the saints have been able to enjoy and rejoice in his work. It will be a completed work. It will be a finished work. And he will overcome all the enemies of the church. And he did. So God gave him this great song to sing. You know, traverse clear across the Bible into the book of Revelation, if you would. In the book of Revelation, it was interesting to find out that Moses' name is mentioned once again, as he is truly a great person in God's eyes. Here in the book of Revelation chapter 15, we read these words, verse 3. Now, I would encourage you to read that whole chapter, chapter 15, or verses 1 through 19, because that whole song, that whole section is a song of rejoicing in the victory of God Almighty. And here in the book of Revelation, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. What are they singing here? A song of victory. The people of God sing a song of victory. It is a victory that we enjoy that was given to us and accomplished by someone else. And yet he is the captain of our salvation. He is the apostle and high priest of our profession. He is the one that is in charge of all things. And we get to enjoy the blessings of his victory. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. What a statement is mentioned here that it lets us be reminded of what Moses sang about over in the book of Exodus. You know, as we follow Moses, we find he had to be one of those fellows that is written about in the New Testament, a holy man of God. Now, it wasn't his holiness, it's holiness that has been given to him. It wasn't his righteousness, it's righteousness that's been given to him. He was a holy man of God who spake as he was moved by the Holy Spirit. God moved him. Now, it was God's word. I had to agree so much with what Mike said this morning. They, he didn't try to start and write off and God had to correct him. God came upon him in such a powerful way and it was moved on him to write the word of God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the, book, and the book of Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses, the Torah, as the Jews call it. But it is the writings that God gave this secretary, Moses, to write. In the beginning was, the, was God, and God created the heavens and the earth. That's Moses writing as secretary. And then he concludes with the book of Deuteronomy, and the book of Deuteronomy concludes with the death of Moses. We find that it was the, the Lord appeared unto Moses face to face. Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 18. Would you join me there? Deuteronomy 
chapter 34 and verse 10, excuse me. And there arose not a prophet. Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. You know, he was called the friend of God. He got to go up on the mount and he came down shining so much that even Joshua said, you, we got to cover you up. Your skin shines so greatly. And we look over there and, and Paul was drawn to use that passage of scripture in the New Testament to the Corinthians and say, you know, the covering is on in the preaching of the law. But when Christ is preached, the veil is taken away. The law never had anything that would, uh, we could enjoy or appreciate. It always has condemnation. We find out Moses, the first time that they were in trouble about water, he is called on to strike that rock. Strike the rock and I'll give you water. You know, we find out that's all the law can do is strike the rock. The second time, God says, speak to the rock. And you know what, though? Of all the things that Moses might have wanted to do, his hand reached out and struck it twice. No, we're going to find out that Moses is typical of the law. He's a picture of the law. And the law can do nothing but strike. There is no mercy in the law. There is no grace in the law. There is nothing in the law that we should have uh, 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 to adorn ourselves because it declares the holiness of God. And once we've seen the holiness of God, we pray we see the holiness of Jesus Christ imputed to us. My goodness, as we see this, the prayer of Moses we heard there, in Psalm 90, that's the prayer of Moses. And it's so brought out in the scriptures. You know, Moses was born in Egypt. Where were you born? We're born in Egypt. We're born down in a place that there's no bread. We're born in a place where there's nothing. We're born in a place by nature that we have nothing. And yet we find out that Moses, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, as we think about the birth of Moses, he was born in Egypt, and he's born in Egypt 80 years before the children of Israel leave. So if we take Moses, or excuse me, if we take the word of God to Abraham, and he said they're going to be down there 400 years, and we back up enough, we find out the approximate time that Moses was born compared to the 400 years. But here in the book of, of uh, the book of Hebrews, Book of Hebrews is given to us to help us so much enjoy and appreciate what is said in the Old Testament. And here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and there in verse 23, we read these words about Moses' parents. They're both Levites. They're of the Levitical side of the family, the children of Levi. Moses is a child of Levi, grandchild or so forth. It says, by faith Moses when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and that they not afraid of the king's commandment. The king's commandment had been throw all the male children into the river Nile. They're getting too many of them. They'll overthrow us. Well, God put it in the heart of this parent by faith. This is a special child. By faith, this is a special child. And they hid him for three months. And then, do you know what they did? They threw him in the river. 
in an ark. And he has found a Pharaoh's daughter. And he's raised in Pharaoh's household. We find out that uh, Moses is brought up with the education to be a Pharaoh. He has learned the language. He knows the, all of the, uh, the uh, social duties to perform and that sort of thing. And if you'll turn with me back to the book of Acts chapter 7, in the book of Acts chapter 7, our friend Stephen brings us a lot of information about what was going on in the Old Testament. In the book of Acts chapter 7, beginning with verse 20, Stephen brings this up. Now remember, he has a bunch of people there that don't like him very much because he keeps reminding them that in the Old Testament, there was nobody that followed God unless they had a new heart. They were stiff-necked. Well, in verse 20, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And you know, I could just hear those people that are there that have rocks in their hands say, yeah, that's okay. I'll take that. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. By faith, God had given him faith to understand where he was really from. By faith, God given faith, he understood these were his brethren. He's out of place over here. Seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. And he was supposed his brethren, notice this, he thought that his brethren would understand how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Why? God hadn't revealed it to them. The same thing happens to us in our life. God has all this declaration through all the scriptures about the gospel and how important it is to individuals, and yet we perceive it not. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We can't believe that Jesus Christ would be the Savior of our soul. We are in charge of our own salvation for years, it seems. We have it all figured out. We have it diagrammed. We can talk about it. We can persuade other men of our own religious persuasion. But you know, once God saves us, we realize we can't, under, we can't persuade anybody of the truth of the gospel. That is God that does that. So he, understood, he thought that they would understand and they did not. And it says, in the next day, he showed himself unto one that they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, be, ye be brethren, why do you wrong one another? And he said, did this his neighbor wrong, thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses fled. Travel back over to the book of Hebrews, if you would, to chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Now notice this. By faith, Moses, 
You know, in the Old Testament, we see some errors that people have, just like they can see that in us. They can see our errors. They can see our inconsistencies. They can see the things that we have done wrong. And yet, under the blood of the everlasting covenant, we see what Moses, what God said Moses had. By faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season. What the blood does for us, how it cleanses, how it sifts out, how it puts aside all those thoughts that we had. Moses said, I thought they'd understand. God said this as he looks at it. He said he's choosing rather to suffer the affliction of God, uh, of the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ. You know what? Moses believed Christ. Moses believed the Messiah. Moses believed about the promised one by faith esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. You know, I've had people say that Moses uh, trusted the law. No, no, no. Moses didn't trust the law. Moses trusted Christ. Why? Because Christ had been revealed to him as the Savior. Here he says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, as we read in the Old Testament, I think he was looking over his shoulder all the way he ran. As we look at under the everlasting covenant, we find God directed every step he took. Took him out into the wilderness. You know where he took him? Sinai. You know where he took him? The Arabian Peninsula. That's exactly where he's going to be 40 years later, carrying the children of Israel. Through faith, we read this. This is in Exodus chapter 12. Through faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. What a statement about Moses. You know, as we read in the scriptures, we find out that Jesus said about Moses in Matthew, excuse me, John chapter 5. Turn there with me if you would. I love this passage of scripture because it helped me so much to understand the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Because here in the book of John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ is in a, a discussion with some people that had some incorrect ideas. They thought they were trusting. They said, we have Moses, we have Abraham. And here in the book of John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus says this, do not, verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? What a statement the Lord Jesus brought up to these people that said they believe the word of God. You say that you're trusting Moses, but you don't. If you had, you'd believe me. And this continues to go on. We read over in the book of Luke chapter 16. You know, when I was growing up, this passage of scripture was probably preached on about once a month. Trying to scare you out of hell into heaven. This is the account of the rich man and Lazarus. 
And here in the book of Luke, chapter 16, we read these words. Verse 29. We have Abraham speaking these words as Jesus records them. And Abraham saith unto him, This is the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. He said, Abraham said unto him. Now, what was the request that this man had requested of Abraham? Send somebody back to my brothers. So they can hear and not come here. Warn them about hell. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. If they will not hear the word of God, if God does not reveal the word of God to them, they will not believe even though one rose from the dead. And you know what? This one that is speaking here did rise from the dead and they still won't believe. It takes that wonderful grace of God, the calling of God to call us out of darkness to his marvelous light. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. He didn't grow up as a Christian. I, I appreciate what Brother Ralph Barnard said to that lady. He said she was a, always been a Christian. He said, that's just too long. That's just too long. We are not always Christians. You know what we find out is that God had his eye on us from eternity, that God had the purpose to save us from eternity, but we are dead in trespasses and sin because of the fall of Adam, and we're born into that condition, and it takes the grace of God sometime during our life to bring us out of that sometime. Now, there's not a definite time in our mind, but there is a definite time in God's mind, in the fullness of time, at the right time. God does that very thing. So if they'll not hear Moses in um, John chapter 1, turn there with me if you would, as we think about our brother Moses. John chapter 1, verse 45 it's a wonderful account here. Moses is brought up again. He's a pretty interesting individual. Five books of the Old Testament, mentioned in the Psalms several times, mentioned throughout the Old Testament, mentioned many times in the New Testament, mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as being one that had faith granted to him. Here in the book of John chapter 1 verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him. Well, who are you talking about? I didn't know he was lost. We found him of whom Moses in the law and in the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, excuse me, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, whom is no guile. What a statement that Philip makes to Nathanael. We have found him. How did he know that? By revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ had been revealed to him, and he understood that Moses had been writing about him. You know what? They didn't have Matthew to Revelation. They had the Old Testament. And the Old Testament 
declares Jesus Christ. So we have found him that Moses in the law and the prophets did write. He wrote all about him. All of those sacrifices were a type and a shadow and a picture of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were not salvation. They were only a type and a picture. And Moses understood that by faith he brought the Passover. He was given the order for the Passover and he brought it. But he had no trust in that whatsoever. It was a cooked lamb and lamb's blood on the outside of the door. What we need is the body and blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Not that. And he understood that. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we read these words as Jesus Christ spoke. There is a necessity, a necessity, it says here, and as Moses, this we've not too long ago, we read about that in the book of Numbers, that Moses was called on to produce a brazen serpent. Now, Many people had already been bitten and died, and it's brought to Moses' attention, and he brings it before the Lord, and the Lord says, make a serpent of brass, a symbol of that, because that is a symbol of sin. And you put that brass serpent up on a pole, and those I intend to be healed, I will put my finger under their chin, and I'll raise them up so they can stare at it. And by the grace of God, those were healed. Everybody else that kept their face on the ground and moaned about having this problem died in their sin. You know who looked? Those who God gave an interest in looking. That is our hope, that God would grant an interest to our children and our grandchildren, to our friends and our neighbors, that God would do something for them and put his fingers under their chin and cause them to look up to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. So Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He said, that's a beautiful type and shadow of me and I shall be lifted up and you know what every time we preach Christ we hope to lift him up he must be lifted up he must be declared he is the center the core he is all the gospel contained in himself and the Lord Jesus after his resurrection from the dead he brought up Moses again he tells us there in Luke chapter 24, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he declared all the things in the scriptures about himself. Moses wrote of him. And Moses appears alive in the New Testament. You know who Peter and the other disciples that were with him on the Mount of Transfiguration? You know who they saw? Moses and Elijah. Moses was there, Elijah was there, and you know what they talked about? His decease. They understood that the only hope for them and for all of God's elect was that this decease take place. They were their faithful witnesses. Elijah was a faithful witness of all the prophets and said, you have fulfilled every prophecy about the Messiah. And Moses was there and said, and you have fulfilled the law to, nobody could do what you've done. 
as best as we could live. We could never fulfill the law. And Jesus Christ fulfilled every jot and every tittle. He came to fulfill it. And he did exactly that. And there on that mount, and Peter, like us, said, well, let's build a tabernacle to Moses and a tabernacle to Elisha and a tabernacle to you. What's that? Let's put you on equal plane. And there's a voice from heaven that rang out and says, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And the other two disappeared. Turn with me back to the book of Numbers chapter 27, if you would. Numbers chapter 27. And the Lord, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mount, Abraham, and see the land which I have given unto, thee, unto the children of Israel. Again, the Lord mentions that this was his promise to Abraham. They shall have this property. But you know, those who understood something about the gospel understood that they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. That this was not it. This was just a picture of it. This was a shadow of it. And he said, go up and take a look. We find in the book of Deuteronomy that he looked to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. What a vision God opens his mind up to see all of the inheritance of the children of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. You can't see it all from that mountain. You have to be given special insight by God Almighty to see all the inheritance of the children of Israel. But he was given that. And then he was drawn up and was buried, died and was buried in a grave that no man knows about. Oh my, there are people even today that would give millions of dollars for one finger bone out of Moses. So they'd have something to worship. You know, the brazen serpent for 400 years was worshipped by the children of Israel. Until the king says, this is no, we're not going to do this anymore. And ground it up. A finger bone of Moses would be worth millions of dollars. But God put him away in such a way that no man ever found him. There was a contention over the body of Moses. And one said to the other, get thee behind me. And when thou hast seen it, thou shalt be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. What a statement. He just didn't say you're going to die and rot there. He said, you've been gathered to your people. That's exactly what he said to Abraham. You're going to be gathered to your people. Who is the people of Moses? It's not just the Jews. It's the church that he's gathered to. He is gathered to the body of Christ around the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it tells us you're not going to go in because you rebelled. You know, there is a passage of scripture. We're going to go to Deuteronomy after this verse in John chapter 1. Now, this is why we find that Moses was not permitted to go into the land. Why he did what he did. He, and, you know, as the Lord brought that out to him, he said, well, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, uh, um, 
You know, my stick just got away from me. All the excuses he could have given. He just simply said, uh, we need to, would you raise up somebody to take care of the people? He didn't argue with God. He understood. And this is why John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given by Moses. The law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. God was so gracious to us. Moses was a type himself of the law which he had commissioned to deliver. And for as we he's not permitted to enter the promised land, so he represents that the law could not bring God's people into Canaan or into a, a co-equal to heaven. It is Jesus alone that can do this. The law has nothing to do with our salvation. The law has nothing to do with our deliverance. And the law has nothing to do with our life. We are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I hope you don't wake up in the morning and you check over the Ten Commandments and say, well, I'm going to see how I can do on this today, because you're going to fail miserably. We did that in religion, and we failed miserably. We couldn't get one of them taken care of before the next one. You know, people say, well, I've got them almost all down. I've got one or two more. You know what? The Apostle Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. What is he admitting? I cannot keep it. I cannot keep it. But I have someone who did. I plead the mercy of that one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Going over to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. Would you do look there with me? Deuteronomy. And this is... That passage of scripture where we find the end of Moses. Moses 34, verse 1. Excuse me. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. And all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, unto the uttermost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palms of Zoar, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eyes were not dim. He didn't need glasses. Nor his natural force abated. He walked upright, erect, didn't stumble. He went through the 40 years of the wilderness without physical effect. And yet when it was the time that God had appointed, and we read about that in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed unto each one of us to die. And after that, to meet the Lord, either in welcome or depart. 
Moses, our brother, is given the information that he is going to go up onto that mountain and he's going to pass away while he's there. And his concern, and that will be the next time after uh, the next two Sundays, the next time we'll look at that and we find out God has already had someone selected to take over and his name is Joshua. And Joshua and Jesus is the same word, same name, One's in Hebrew, one's in Greek, and they both mean Savior. And they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And Joshua was used to demonstrate that, and he took the people over the Jordan River, and he took them up against uh, Jericho and understood. That's what that fella in John chapter 3 didn't understand. You being a... Uh, minister of the law and you don't understand this? What did Joshua understand that that man didn't? That everything that took place in the promised land was provided by God. He won every battle for him. He defeated every enemy for him. Oh yes, they put their swords on and their helmets and so forth, but the record shares with us there's no one that's buried in the ground as a victim of a war except those at Ai. The rest went out and they came back. Sweaty, yes. Probably bloody, yes. But they didn't face death. Joshua is the leader of his people as Jesus Christ is the leader of the church. In him we live and move and have our being.